Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We are exclusively now a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. You know, it's homecoming week here at SEU, and I'm excited to introduce our co-host for today's show, Bruce Smith. Bruce is an alumnus of Southeastern University and is the founder of both WealthCurated.com and Legacy Wealth Advisors. Uh, Bruce, wow, it's great to have, uh, have you with us and join us today. Thank you. It's great to be back. On campus, and, it's been and, a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. You graduated in ninety three, right? So, uh, and and you had mentioned before we start here, uh, you hadn't been here maybe once since since then. So, right. probably have seen a few changes on the campus. It's a different place. Still, still has uh, some of the core elements that sure. take you back, but. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic yeah. to see what's happened. Well, we're great that uh, you're with us this week and, and joining us today. Uh, in today's episode, I want to uh, dive into the contents of your book. Um, uh, you know, uh, Decomposition, the Art of Life Discovered in the Soil of Suffering. Yeah. And I know you have some incredible insights that I know our leaders need to, mm. to hear. And, and uh, But before I, we do move that, uh, the conversation in that direction, I, I do want our listeners to learn a little bit more about your background. Sure. You were actually a graduate, again, as we mentioned, uh, from SEU here in 93. Your undergraduate experience was full of accomplishments. You were the MVP of the tennis team for four years in a row. Yeah. And uh, you originally had ambitions of going to a Division One program, but you faced some uh, ad- adversity in, in that. Can you talk to me about your athletic career leading sure. into your time at uh, SEU? Yeah, so growing up uh, in New Orleans, a kid of the South, I uh, wound up spending all my time on a baseball field or a tennis court, and uh, tennis kind of became the focus in my late teen years. And um, after high school, I took a year off. I had some small college offers, but really wanted to play D1. Mm. And so I, I was training seven, eight hours a day, and in the middle of that, had a bad accident on the court and uh, ruined my L5-S1. Couldn't be fixed without a fusion. And you're not going to do D1 training sure, and competition right, right. with a fusion at L5-S1. So that's really when God got a hold of me and started reframing my future. Uh, it was a tough time, traumatic time, but ultimately it's what brought me to Southeastern. And was still able to to play uh, amidst the pain and kind of control that and uh, enjoyed that time. But um, those four years were, were rich in relationships and um, it's where God really set the hook for academia in me, getting me here and uh, putting me on the court and uh, in the classroom. So, uh, how how would you describe your experience at SU in that time? So you, I mean, you briefly mentioned how it did set you up for uh, academia, but academia. But what what else really molded and shaped you from this place? Yeah. So for, for us, we had a really tangible experience of the nearness of God in this mm. place, mm. Uh, which was, for me, very profound. Um, uh, the academic professors who really pushed us gave us one side of it. Uh, you had another group that was more exper- experientially focused. Sure. And having that blend of experience and academics uh, was just so enriching. Had a chance to walk through uh, the chapel yeah. uh, a few days ago, and of course, there's a lot of a lot of jokes uh, for many years about the chapel experience and the chapel slips and all that. Right. Very different today, uh, but for me, uh, chapel was a grounding. Uh, in the nearness of God, and I can't help but think about that as I'm walking around the campus. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's rich, and it is. I mean, that's that's at the very heart of who we are as a Christ-centered university. Just that 
the the most important thing is to develop that model of spirituality that will uh, be life changing for the rest of your life. Um, yep. And and so yep. grateful that uh, you had that experience. You also. Um, was a student commencement speaker at, at graduation. Right. So what was right. that like? That was, uh, that was a fantastic moment for me. Because uh, when, when I was here, I got, got involved in ministry, um, spoke a lot in senior chapel. And, you know, the book talks a lot about this, but I saw my life unfolding in this certain way, right? You come here with these young dreams. Sure. I got married early while in school here. We started having kids early while in school here. Uh, so, you know, I was I was a dad, I was on the tennis team, I was pursuing the academics, working jobs, working in churches here. Didn't get the young college guy experience, but what I did get was um, a grounding in, in faith. And uh, so to be selected to do that at that time, just it felt at that time like uh, God saying, okay, here's where we're taking you. Uh, and that experience to stand in front of your peers and share um, the culmination of those four years was, for me, remarkable. Life changed much after that, not too much longer, which is what this book and my other books have largely been about. Uh, so, Let me ask you this, because um, people, you know, God puts people in our lives to shape us, and uh, I, I would assume you have a professor or two maybe that um, served as a strong uh, spiritual mentor. I, I, I know in my undergraduate days, uh, I attended Vanguard University out in, in Costa Mesa, right. California, and um, Dr. Murray Dempster was uh, a huge mentor sure. in my life. And, and when I came here to service, started my presidency here, he was on the faculty. He just okay. retired. So it was so neat right. to come full circle. And he was here when, when I came to, to lead the okay. university. Is there, um, as you look back, a, a mentoring professor that really profoundly impacted you? Yeah. So what's interesting, and it's part of the experience we talked about already, uh, we had some professors that were true academics, sure. and and they held you to the rigor of academia. In fact, I was on the Staley Lectureship Series oh, yeah. Committee, and we right. brought Murray Dempster okay. in before he came on staff here, so I remember him very well. Uh, and still remember uh, the chapel service where he first came. But uh, Dr. Frank Machia, who yes. went out to Vanguard, right. was right. here. Uh, so those sort of guys, uh, Dr. Barnes uh, and others, gave me that academic side. Uh, but you had the the rich uh, practical ministry experience and the personal engagement of of guys who are still here. Right. Uh, one right. of my favorites I ran into when I got on campus just uh, uh, a few days ago. You probably know who I'm talking about. He's been a favorite of uh, so many for so long. Yeah. Um, his name is on the wall. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Doctor Hackett. Doctor Hackett. I'm presuming, yes. Um, and guys like uh, W. C. Richardson, and mm. uh, who was quite the character. Uh, practical old school yeah. Pentecostal guy, uh, so so many, but yeah. No, we have a rich heritage of yeah. uh, professors who pour pour their lives into your life and so many so many others, and we are so grateful for that. And we will always celebrate the legacy of those who uh, had the calling to invest in mm -hmm. a generation of students. God raising up to serve. After you left Southeastern, you spent some time in uh, vocational ministry, yep. actually here in Lakeland. Yes. Uh, from there, you went on to further your education at Wheaton College, right. uh, where you studied religion and American life. You eventually founded the Wealth Curated 
Com and Legacy Wealth Advisors, where you work with um, what tangible goods and collectible a- assets. Talk talk to us about your love of art and history, and what led you to step into this sector of business. Sure, yeah, uh, twofold. Uh, I've always had the academic his- history background. Uh, there's a lot of that in tangible assets. I've dealt primarily with um, very well resourced investors who are. Uh, diversifying their portfolios from stocks to to things that tell a story mm. that have great value, whether it's fine art, rare coins, gold investments, manuscripts, memorabilia, you name it. So, uh, and during the unfolding of some of the early episodes of the decomposition of my life and where I thought it was going, had to wrestle with, okay, uh, how do we press the pause button on what is traditionally known as full-time ministry and do something um, that's going to provide for a family. Um, so kind of just fell into my lap, really, in the midst of a difficult time. I knew someone in the industry. They said, you'd be a great fit. Why don't you come take a look at it? And uh, early on, it was a good fit. And uh, so the, the, the correlation to telling good stories of the yeah. gospel in the church world and compelling people to followership has strong parallels in, in my business. Uh, you're trying to motivate people uh, to follow your lead and invest a large part of their life and large sums of money uh, to do something compelling. So it was a good fit. I've enjoyed it. And uh, uh, the background uh, actually in academics and church world helped. Sure. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when you look at art and history, how has that shaped mm. a total world view? Well, uh, you know, the, the easy uh, slogans are, if you don't know history, you're going to repeat it. Sure. Um, and um, the, the history of the church, which I spent a great deal of time learning at Wheaton Graduate School, uh, my religion and American life focus there was historical, theological, and sociological. So understanding the history of the church uh, had a big impact on me in that process. Art history is, is fascinating because you understand the role of the church throughout, throughout history. history. Right. Very different now. Right. Uh, but when you understand where the big art movements began, you understand that the church has really been at the forefront, historically speaking. It's only for a narrow period of time we haven't been there. Uh, so th- that, that's been a remarkable journey of, of study and understanding for me. Let me ask you this, and in, in, this is just an observation as you look at church today hmm. uh, and what's – especially in, in American culture. Um, and, and you just mentioned, you know, if you don't know history, um, you're going to repeat history. Do you feel like ministry leaders today – do have a grasp uh, on church history. I remember going in, in, you know, I left broadcasting mm-hmm. and my first 10 years were in broadcasting and I went right into pastoring, but I needed education. And one of the things I knew I needed was church history. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you feel that that's been a priority in ministry leaders' lives today? Yeah, I think the the sad, difficult truth is not only are we shallow in church history, uh, we're too shallow in theology. You mm. know, we live in this consumer world sure. that's driven by the optics and by the numbers. And, and you know, I say this when I spent my entire post grad and, and graduate career really studying the innovative techniques, and my thesis was on Willow Creek Community Church. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, I get all that 
but in too many cases we've we've abandoned the richness uh, and the depth of history and and theological training not as dogma right but because it influences uh the the richness in the right. in the mystery of our faith actually that really is going to sustain a believer for the long term yeah yeah, uh, I, I want to dive now a little bit um, into the details of, of your book. It's titled again, "Decomposition: The Art of Discovered in uh, uh, the Art of Life Discovered in the Soil of Suffering." And this birth, uh, this book was birthed in the midst of a global pandemic uh, that has basically put our world uh, on pause. Uh, in your book, you talk about the impact of COVID, the polarized political climate. We're about to have a major election here in a week, and and even the social division that is plaguing our world. Talk to us about the catalyst moment that actually led you. I've got to write this. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was much like my first book, which was written after Hurricane Katrina, 2005, uh, life-changing year. I uh, went through just a, a grueling uh, divorce, a lot of backstory there. Uh, my grandmother, who pr- practically raised me, died uh, that same year, and then Hurricane Katrina came through New Orleans. Uh, a career change in the middle of all that, and that's when God sat me down and said, all right, it's time to write. This has been on your heart for a long time. This book came together in, in similar ways. Uh, I've always been involved in, in politics and, and the culture dynamics of America and, and been engaged in that setting for years. And that, that was all kind of building up in me. And I just I saw something happening where our culture was devolving into this uh, just sheer rage. Mm. Uh, differing views were no longer discussed in an open forum. It seems like we're at war on a daily basis. So in the middle of this, uh, uh, my business had some, some struggles. Uh, we talked about life on the West Coast, the fiscal realities out there. If you're going to compete, you got to put big sums of money. I had a lot at risk, and a lot was uh, not working out as planned. And so God said, it's time to sit down and write again. Yeah. And in about uh, four weeks, this entire manuscript just kind of rushed wow. out of me. And um, uh, you know, this, this journey over the last three months I shared with you, we've been RVing full time. Yes. We went from living in a 5,000-square-foot home above Laguna Beach to living in an RV, uh, literally overnight. And uh, what God has said is kind of the message of this book. Uh, at, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, at the end of your career, whatever you want to call it, your ambitions, uh, it comes down to not the stuff, uh, not the titles, not the trophies. It comes down to uh, a search for beauty that is only fulfilled in a pursuit of God right. uh, and actually Him pursuing you. And yeah. That's kind of the message of the book. Now, that's so, you know, I go back to our foundational verse for the university that you're, you're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the beauty of, of your design is, is amazing and incredible. But the, the key of that verse is in Christ Jesus. You cannot truly connect to that. Uh, beauty, uh, unless there is that profound relationship, personal right. uh, relationship with Christ, and that that is so um, so rich. What what's um, what's be, I, I love the title. Hmm. So how did you come to create that particular title? 
So <clears throat> the, the wife and I were watching, uh, yeah, in this COVID world, <laughs> and a lot of downtime, right? So, right. And I've, I've never been a big TV guy, but we, we got into uh, watching series and, and things. And one night we stumbled upon uh, the story of this, uh, this farm. Uh, out in your former neck of the woods in the West Coast, uh, this couple, they'd been in uh, the movie industry, and um, they just decided all the, uh, the the business of life in that setting wasn't what they wanted. They wanted to start a farm. So they started this little farm, a boutique farm, beautiful little place, but the land was barren. There was nothing there. They didn't think the land could be revived, but they invested their life in it. And uh, as you follow their story, you see this just breathtaking place come to life in the middle of this arid desert climate uh, in California. And it's just utterly fascinating. And I started thinking about the book and I said, that's the image. Uh, amidst all this decomposed tundra, these people built uh, a masterpiece uh, of beauty where people didn't think it could take place. Mm. And so it was a great uh, uh, metaphor for the book. The story's in there. And... Uh, um, it's kind of been the story of my life. I've seen a lot of decomposition. You know, I, I started here at Southeastern thinking, and go off and save the world, uh, live a wonderful life with this, this woman I had uh, married here, and things are going to be great. And uh, uh, the message of this book, and I think the message of a lot of leaders, because leaders are result-driven. And we have these expectations, we write it down, we have these goals, we're going to go get it. A lot of leaders sink into uh, extreme discouragement and depression when that's changing radically and they don't see things happening. And the message of the book is that's the process by which God actually grows you into the human being he's called you to be. Yeah. Uh, in this success-minded world and the optic world of Instagram, influencers, and so forth, we miss that. It's so, yeah. so easy to miss. Um, a lot of people suffering right now in this pandemic um from from the health issues to the finance loss of jobs uh, a lot of different elements um and and you talk about the art of suffering in in this book in a way that people need to truly embrace uh you've said before that um the greatest romance of the christian faith is the mystery of how god uh, calls us to and brings us through mm suffering. The reality is that I don't know anybody that wants to, right. uh, we don't want to suffer. We'd prefer right. to live our lives in comfort, but many times God allows this to to hit our lives. We can wallow in our circumstances or we can try to lean into what, you know, the Lord might be showing us. You, you, you spoke about some of your experiences. Talk to me about the lessons you've learned through the embrace yeah. of suffering f for yourself and what others may. So there's um, a chapter in the book, uh, getting back to the art reference, where I talk about um, art in the midst of chaos, right? And um, I'll give you two, two examples where that's been vivid in my life. So post-Katrina, after being gone for a month in the city in disarray, came back to New Orleans, was driving through the carnage. And uh, you, you can't imagine driving mile after mile in your hometown and seeing 15-foot-tall <clears throat> mountains of debris, hmm. what used to be people's homes, right? Driving through that in a part of town that was just caked in layers of mud, gray everywhere, debris everywhere. And I turned this bend down by the old yacht club where all these boats were broken in half and tossed everywhere like a, uh, a messy kid's room. 
And I look down the road about uh, two blocks, and I'm seeing these splashes of color in the middle of the road. I'm like, what is that? So I get, finally get up on it, and it's a flock of parrots in the middle of all this carnage and chaos and death and debris and stench, and they're just playing in the water. Hmm. And I thought, what an image. Uh, <clears throat> the beauty that God sparks in the middle of all that. Uh, and there's a chapter in the book where I talk about Jackson Pollock, um, one of the most influential artists in American art history. Uh, most people, if they did not know who he was, they would see his painting on the wall and said, oh, that's a lovely little painting by your four-year-old. Right. Yeah, you yeah. They must have spilled a gallon or two of paint up there and splattered it everywhere. His paintings can sell well over $100 million. Uh, so, But until you understand the process and what they call the gesticulations, the movements of his okay. hands right. strategically, you don't understand why it's so valuable. The chaos and the suffering in our life is, though we don't want it, it is the gesticulation of the handiwork of God yeah. creating a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, I found that true in my life. Wow. You know, not only do you talk about the art of suffering, but you also talk about how we have to then recompose our lives. Mm. Uh, I know uh, I know you've been, you know, you, you left, what, three months ago living mm. in Laguna Beach, Beautiful. You talk about beauty. Right. That's a great, great area. But you felt like a shift needed to take place in your life. So you decided to leave Laguna Beach, purchase that RV, and and travel around the nation. You've said that your life has been more rewarding since you realized it was less about mm. tangible possessions. So talk about that, that, that decision. And then talk about what have you seen? Because, yes, when you travel, you, you get to see the amazing landscape. But you also get to see real-life people right. and stories, right. and, and you see the struggles across the nation. Yeah, uh, Talk to us a little bit about that. So in our, my wife and I, we talk about this all the – I mean, for three months we've been talking about it. And um, I, I share it with others, and we've been sharing the journey uh, on Facebook. And, and um, uh, Because when we set out, we knew God was resetting us, but we also knew <clears> – <throat> We were going to chase the beauty, but we also wanted to share the beauty at a time when, as you say, so many facets of so many people's lives are in decomposition. And um, I think that the two things we have found more than anything is, number one, uh, beauty draws us. Hmm. Um, the handiwork of God uh, is a rich theological concept, away from the cities, away from the competition, away from all the activity that we define as American life, uh, in the solitude of looking at God's handiwork, uh, we found a great deal of restoration. Um, uh, secondarily, uh, what we've found is regarding the, the people across America, they are not what you see in the media. Uh, we've run a, uh, into people of varying perspectives and views, and by and large, almost without exception, there are people wanting to have uh, the chance to do life in a meaningful way. And uh, they're not warring and fighting and calling each other names. Obviously, we're seeing those incidents flare up in the big cities. Right. And, um, uh, you know, the political embers that are being flamed are a lot to do with that. Uh, but we've run into some extraordinary people who don't share the same views that we may have. Uh, but we've had teary-eyed conversations of meaning wow. with them and others. Um, so, 
um, we're we're hopeful and praying that somehow our nation as a whole can capture that uh, in the in the days ahead. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been a um, it, it, this is a powerful conversation, and you you are bringing great insight to the issues and challenges we are absolutely facing in our lives, and how God can navigate that to change us and mold us and shape us in his continued, uh, the masterpiece that he has for us. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break, and we will be right back after a word from our sponsors. If you're a driven professional striving to expand your leadership and pack change at any level of your organization, Southeastern University's online master's degree in leadership is definitely for you. This program provides you the opportunity to learn in the context of entrepreneurship, nonprofit leadership, research, or organizational leadership. You can apply today at seu.edu slash apply. That's seu.edu slash apply. Well, welcome back. As we move into our fire round uh, in this podcast, I want us to cover a few practical application points that sure. you know our listeners can take away from this conversation in ways that they can start to frame their life. Um, these points will summarize, I think, our conversation uh, and give our listeners actionable takeaways that they can apply to their lives right now. Uh, Bruce, what what uh, what advice would you give to people who are struggling to navigate the problems that have been created by COVID nineteen? What's some sure. quick things they can do to just begin this process? Uh, number one, our t- Typical reaction amidst times of stress and loss and chaos are to lock down and go insular. Uh, and what we have found to be true, the best possible uh, first action step is be willing to take a risk and do something new. Mm. You know, break out of the box of that struggle, that discouragement, and 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 look for another horizon uh, where you can chase the beauty. Yeah. What what would you say to those who are learning how to decompose their life as an mm-hmm. action step? Uh, it is absolutely imperative uh, that you understand it's, it's not all the stuff around you. Uh, hold it loosely. And if uh, the next steps for your future mean lightening up on your tangible goods, uh, do it. You honestly won't miss it if you're if you're chasing yeah. the beauty, yeah. yeah. And and one final question uh, to give us a, uh, a, a an application: What advice uh, would you give to someone who's learning uh, how to reestablish their life after they've gone through that decomposition? Yeah, uh, allow God to remind you. You know the Jackson Pollock analogy: uh, what you thought was in store for your life, uh, even no matter how how Christian, romanticized, and heroic. It may have been. Um, we lay the plans for our life, but God orchestrates yes. uh, in the end. Yeah. Uh, so be willing to allow him in the midst of that chaos to create something you, you did not expect right. or wouldn't have on your bulletin board of your top ten list. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I, I this has been great. I, I want to thank you for joining me today on Framework Leadership thank uh, you. Podcast. Pleasure. I'm thankful for the insight that has come through your experiences, your knowledge, your wisdom. Uh, For all of our listeners, I hope that you leave this conversation with an assurance that there is good. There is good to be found in your suffering. Well, Bruce, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Framework Leadership Podcast. Uh, uh, So thankful for the insight that has come through your experiences, your knowledge, your wisdom has been so powerful. For all of our listeners, I hope that you leave this conversation with an assurance that 
there is good to be found um, in the midst of suffering. To stay connected with Bruce, and I hope you will, uh, you can follow him on social media, Instagram, Bruce Lee Photog. And then check out his website, BruceLeeSmith.com. That's BruceLeeSmith.com. That's all for today's episode. We'll see you next time on Framework Leadership.